from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're back. Uh, Chiefs Kingdom, we have a great show for you. We have so much to cover. You would think that the week after the Super Bowl, we'd be kind of tongue-tied and looking for topics. No, no, not so much. Uh, our old pal Seth Kaiser is here from Arrowhead Pride. How are you, pal? I'm doing very, very, very well. Life is good. Man, we're going to have to get you a cup of coffee or something. I'm a little more excited than you. Let's go. You're stuck. <laughs> Sorry. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm zen. I'm so excited. I'm zen. I'm still tired from, I, I haven't recovered from last week staying up all night on Tuesday. And so I'm still like kind of half in, half out. <laughs> right. It'll well, hey, you. at least you didn't say, uh, no way! Like five times on a podcast. Um, no yeah. way. That was a uh, that was that was a great moment. That's one of those things you know. One day should be in a YouTube video. You know, Chris Clark's call of the Alex Smith trade. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna do that now. Oh, goodness, we're not doing video. <laughs> hey, folks, before we get rolling, make sure you check out LockedOnChiefs.com today. Uh, my first version of this offseason of the mock draft is up. It's every pick the Chiefs have currently um, because who knows if they're actually done or not. Um, and uh, take a look at it. Let me know what you think in the comments. Hit us up on uh, the Locked On Chiefs account on Twitter. Um, hell, tweeted at Seth for all I care because uh, that's part of the conversation today. We're going to talk about uh, Kendall Fuller. We're going to talk about Seth's plan for free agency. We're going to talk about my plan for the draft and and maybe how we can all meet in the middle and have this like kumbaya moment. So uh, how does the film look? I know you stayed up all night long. Um, at the end of the day, where do you feel right now? Kyle, Kyle, <laughs> um, Kyle, yeah, I like the idea. Wait, 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 but wait, yeah. but actually that's a good point because I like the idea of a brother tandem on this team. Kyle's a free I, agent. That could only help the chiefs. I actually wrote about that, but I know we're going to talk about free agency in a little bit. Kendall Fuller's, uh, 2017 corner film was easily the best corner film that I've ever reviewed. And yeah. I've reviewed, I've reviewed almost every snap of Marcus Peters career. I review, I've reviewed Brandon Flowers when he when he was at his peak. Now now here again, and I, I said this. I think I was on six ten or something. I I you know to be clear, and you guys know this. This stuff isn't necessarily predictive, right? I mean, could be that he just had the year of his life last year, and he never plays at that level again. But seriously, um, he he was he was locked down. He was so good. But even eighty percent of that level is going to be a good corner. Yes, 80% of what he was last year would be better than any corner the Chiefs had last year besides Peters by a fairly sizable margin. He was right. – uh, his footwork is terrific. I mean terrific. Uh, like absolutely – I mean like so I, I wish I had a different word besides terrific. His footwork is terrific. He plays the ball extremely well, very aggressive. I mean he, he stole a pick from uh, – from the from Doug Baldwin, he made a bunch of great plays, and this is in short routes Baldwin. and deep routes. Yep, um, he 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 mirrors routes very well. He's got really smooth hips. He's got great quickness. Um, he he tackles pretty well. He's not a great tackler, but he's really willing. He made some good stops and run support. He does everything he can to set the edge. All you need from a corner in terms of run support, like occasionally, yeah, you get lucky. Like Brandon Flowers was a great run support corner. He was terrific. You usually aren't going to get that with a corner. Like almost never, really. And all you can ask for is a guy that tries hard, right? And wraps up. 
and he does. Um, I mean, seriously, you haven't said the the point that I think you like the most about him, though. Hmm. I don't know. I've said a lot. (laughs) It's just because you're awake. Film film study. Yes, film study. He is sorry. Yeah, I got caught up in my own thoughts with him there. It was kind of interesting when you watch him. It's so clear that he knows his stuff. He knows how to play cornerback. He clearly, clearly, clearly has has done his homework because you see him like a good example are like bubble screens, right? He was a guy, he busted up in the games I watched. He probably busted up five or six bubble screen plays by himself because he was already moving on it as the ball was snapped. And when that happens, those plays are doomed because those plays rely somewhat on surprise. You know, that half second. Um, it was interesting because after I reviewed him and he just, he clearly, I mean, he, 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 he anticipates routes and runs them better than receivers sometimes. Um, after I wrote the article, I actually had a couple of defensive back coaches, a couple different ones reach out to me to say that, you know, based on the snaps, they saw me gif. They said, seriously, if you were to say one thing about him, you should say that he clearly watches the film because that's the only way a guy plays like that and not, not as in that's the only reason a guy is good, right? Because some guys are just so physically talented. But the fact that he is running guys' routes before they run them. It, I, had, I had one guy tell me, he said, the only way, there's no corner in the world who's got reflexes that fast. The only way was he knew, based on his film review, where the route was going. And he said, that's super impressive for a second-year player. And I agree. I mean, he, he never seemed lost. He plays his own very well. Um, he's so sticky and man. I mean, seriously, we'll see what happens, right? Because you never know. Um, you really never know. Players can can be great one year. You know, remember when the Redskins signed Albert Hainsworth, right? I mean, he was he was like Aaron Donald before there was Aaron Donald, and then he went to the Redskins and was just like, eh. Um, I don't think that'll be the case yeah, with but, this kid. Well, the biggest thing there though is. Hainsworth got paid. Fuller's not paid yet. Right. Fuller's got two years left. That's the one bummer, you know, two years left instead of like four years in a rookie deal. But, I mean, really, you can afford to franchise a great corner if you need to. So you've got three years of decent leverage. Um, Because his contract's so low, you can start renegotiating. I'm dead serious. I mean, if he plays as nearly as well as he played in Washington, they need to start talking. They need to start figuring out a way to get him extended ASAP. He was so good. Um, cover Coverage-wise, he is a better corner than Marcus Peters, and it's by a fairly good margin. And Peters came a long ways in the last two years with that. Don't you also think that that also would mean that they probably need to extend Marcus Peters as soon as possible? I think they should extend both as soon as possible um, because by Peters, doing, they can do this off season, right? And by doing that, they can um, they can make sure that his big money doesn't hit right when Patrick Mahomes needs to get paid, right? And that's a big deal. Timing that stuff out accordingly. That's the biggest challenge, really, when you look at. Both your corners coming up in successive years. Uh, mm-hmm. The quarterback, obviously. Um, but you're mm-hmm. also talking about Tyreek Hill coming into play. Um, mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey's got, what, three years left on his? So, yeah, Kelsey's got three years. and Yeah. But that's it's a matter of Travis Kelsey, Mitch, yep, Mitch you, Morse. Yep, you got to stagger uh, it. Mitch Morse isn't going to break the bank at this point. 
I don't think. No. We'll see what happens this next year. He's a good center. However, there's a lot of good centers in the league right now. That's one area that there's there's a lot of good play. There's not a lot of good guards, weirdly enough. No. no. But there's a lot of good centers and and you know Morse, he not only did he get hurt last year, but I mean you know he had the first couple games where he played really well. But then when he came back from injury, he clearly wasn't himself. Fulton outplayed him down the right. stretch last year. And so that's obviously not a great thing for Morse. I think he'll come back and have a great year. But I don't know if he's ever going to be like a, a center like Hudson who breaks the bank. You know what I mean? So, But, yeah, you, you have to stagger those contracts because that's the price of success. You know, I'm not worried about Travis Kelsey. That's three years from now. Um you know, I you know that that I'm not going to start worrying that far down the road. That's the GM's job. But you know, you really you do have to think about it. Here's the thing, though, with a rookie, this is the time to overspend on other positions because right now you can. And so that's that's I really would love to see them overspend in the secondary because I think Bob Sutton's defense is very dependent on great secondary play. So let's talk about that in just a second, but I want to bring up one question. We did have Therese Paler on the show on Tuesday, mm-hmm. uh, and I just want to run a couple of things past you. Um, obviously, we will talk about the free agency thing in a minute. Uh, one of the other things that really stuck out to me, and, and I think it stuck out to Ryan, too, when he interviewed him was, you know, of all the things that Veach has done, his trades have come out off as fantastic so far. Mm-hmm. Uh the only trade that you, you could even somewhat question is Cameron Irving. And the question there becomes, is he going to be a swing tackle that is going to be a guy for you in the future? Um, because that's a position you're not going to find very easily, especially at the round that they, of a pick that they gave up for him. Mm-hmm. But he also mentioned, unless they decide to move him to tight end. Hmm. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I have, I have no idea how he'd do a tight end. He's he's super he's super athletic, and a lot of guys right. that are built. And they and they had him go out for a pass this year. Right, that didn't go well, did it? Not no, really. I think he was overthrown though. Well, yeah, and I I would just say you know obviously if he was at tight end, a lot of guys like that um, that play offensive line, I know they're walking around twenty thirty pounds heavier than they're really comfortable. And so maybe he could be a guy that could shed 20 pounds real easy, be kind of like a throwback Jason Dunn, you know? Because I miss yeah, watching uh, Jason Dunn block. Yeah, you yeah I do too. And, and that was one of the things that Therese was saying is that he has to change his body if he's going to continue to play an offensive tackle. Yes. So it's got to go one way or the other. Yes, it he's does. He's got to lose to be a tight end. But he's got to gain if he wants to stay at tackle. Well, he's got to gain in his legs especially. The man's got no lower body strength. And frankly, his yeah. upper body strength doesn't seem that much either. That's his big issue. He's just not strong enough. Not remotely. Bubble shoulders, man. Yeah. Yep. And so that oh, that's kind of interesting. All right. So the other point that Therese made was that uh, he doesn't see them being big players in free agency this offseason. Uh, he thinks that that's going to be something they're going to do going into the 2019 season. Uh, you had a piece that just came out on Airhead Pride. You want to go ahead and talk about your thoughts on, on that process? Yeah, sure. I um, I don't. Uh, I, I I I respect Therese a lot, and he would have a better feel for what's going to happen than I would. Um, my piece was on what I think should happen. I would love to see the Chiefs go all in 
this off season. And the reason for that is last year they had one of the better offenses in the NFL in terms of, you know, DVOA and in terms of, you know, just overall statistically. And that was with that hiccup in the middle of the year, right? Well, that offense is coming back virtually intact with, in my opinion, a guy who can be as productive at quarterback and might be better at certain things. And so they've got a chance to, okay, we still got a real good offense and they've got the cap space and cap flexibility to be really aggressive addressing the defense. And even on defense, they're kind of a unique position because it's not like they don't have any stars. They have stars. They just need to fill out the rest of the roster because other than five guys last year, everyone else kind of played like crap. And so they're in a unique position to where they could really upgrade the roster. And in my opinion, take a big step forward from where they were this year. And so I think their Super Bowl window starts. I think it was already open last year. I think they blew an opportunity. But I think their Super Bowl window is wide open right now. And now when you have a rookie quarterback, that's the time to spend. So I actually wrote, and you guys can say what you want about individual guys. I know we don't need to break down each of them. What I do is I know you guys know over the caps, cap, cap calculator, right? Yep, yep. That Man, is that fun. Whoa. Um, Fantastic resource. Yeah. You and, can lose nights playing with that thing. Oh, yeah. Well, because you, you can be so creative with it, and it does the bonuses. It just does everything. And so I fiddled around um, after making some of the obvious roster or salary cap saving expense things, cutting, uh, uh, you know, trading Alex, cutting DJ, cutting Tamba, cutting Harris, and then cutting Ford and Revis and Alan Bailey. Um, honestly, that's not those. None of those guys were key guys last year. Like Revis and Bailey were the closest. You know what I mean? Like that's Mm -hmm. as far as the defense goes and they were role player, but you had it. Yes, you added another one that I thought was interesting today. I can't even remember who that is at this point. Uh, Ron Parker. Oh yes, I added cutting Ron Parker, and that was for salary cap reasons with the plan that I wanted to do. So well, here's what I, I wanted to be super aggressive, right? Because I mentioned they need like five or six guys, and then they need to fill out depth. And so I I put them down for signing. And again, bear with me, Lamarcus Joiner at safety. That was like the big one, the big spending one. Um, Sheldon Richardson on the, along the defensive line. That was a pretty big expenditure too. Um, then Junior Gallette as a edge rusher. Justin Ellis as a nose tackle. And Kyle Fuller at cornerback. So here's the thing. Before you say, Seth, you've lost your mind. That's way too much. I did that and playing around with over the cap. The 2018 cap room I had left was 18.5 mil. 2019 was about 50 mil. 2020 was 67 mil. And now 2019, 2020, that'll lower because you've got guys, you know, they ha- there's not 53 guys under contract there. But most of those guys are going to be roster fillers. And so here's, here's my overall thing. You know, we can disagree about this guy, that guy, this position, that position. My point is you can radically upgrade the talent on the defense, like radically and still have room under the cap. And so that's my big thing. And then the other the other thing why I would do it this year is because then you can have contracts expiring when Mahomes needs to get paid. 
or well, and, and that's I, a significant portion of, of the plan. Correct. And, and and I think there's a I think there's another point to that that you're maybe not that you haven't brought up yet that maybe you didn't think about, but I think that would be key uh, is if what Therese says is true, and I have no reason to doubt him. Uh, but if what he says is true is that he thinks that Andy Reid kept Bob Sutton because he doesn't think he had the talent. If you give him that roster and they don't succeed next year, mm-hmm. it's the coordinator. It's not the talent at that point. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, if you look at this, I mean, so if, if you do these moves, and, again, these are just – it's an extrapolation. Your outside linebackers are Houston and Gillette. And I actually might do a write-up on Gillette because I – for whatever reason with him, I actually just watched a few of his snaps because I really want to get outside linebacker right, you know? Because the big thing is, is this mm-hmm. guy an upgrade over Ford? Because Ford's not bad. And I watch Gallette, and that guy can play. And so, you know, I so you got Houston and Gillette, and then you've got your young guys coming along and Zombo in case everything goes terribly wrong. Inside linebacker's your weakest spot with Raglan, KPL, and Ligway. But on the defensive line, now you've got Jones and Richardson with Ellis as your nose tackle, Nacho as depth, and then another guy you rotate in. But your corners and your safety become the fulcrum of the defense, right? Um, Marcus Peters, Kendall Fuller, Kyle Fuller, and Steven Nelson. That is it. That is the best front four of a corner group in the NFL, and I don't think it's even close. Yeah, okay. How are you going to pass on that team? Yeah, and well, and then you include yeah. Barry and Joiner because Joiner's a stud. He's got incredible range. He can line up anywhere. He's not an in the box guy necessarily, but he can line up anywhere with regards to coverage, and he can go all over the field, and he can handle single high to where Barry can do his thing too. And so I just, I mean, I think that's secondary because you know your pass rush should be improved with Gillette and Richardson, but is it Gillette or is it Gillette? I don't know. It's probably Galette. Now that I think about it, ah, I think it is Galette. I, think it is Galette. I haven't even I haven't said his name yet. I just kept typing it. But yeah, it makes a lot more sense. But it, but he might be the best that you. Can I get. think so. It's a really thin free agent crop as edge rushers. You've got Demarcus Lawrence, and he's going to get franchised. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, though because he was no way he can yeah. And then after that, you got guys like coming back from injuries or guys who are kind of role players or guys who are getting up there. And so anyway, so that's my big plan. It's to be super hyper aggressive. So that way you can sign guys to long-term deals now and they'll either be expiring when Mahomes needs to get paid or they're done with their dead money. Because what we're seeing this year is the flexibility. Because, you know, like right now you look at like, oh man, Hali and DJ are both on the line for 8 million bucks a piece. Well, there's no dead money anymore. So there's so much flexibility to be had there. Yeah. And that's, my only qualm yeah. with it is that you left only three inside linebackers on the roster, and one of them is KPL, and I'm not even sure if he's going to be available. Right. This recent arrest might leave him either incarcerated or untouchable from a team standpoint. So I, I think we have to address that a little bit, either in the draft or with uh, some kind of signing. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. I think you do need to get someone in the door. If if I wasn't trying to say, like, that's, like, the only three guys on the roster, I think you can fill that out with a whoever. And then if they don't want to go with KPL, there's some capable inside linebackers in free agency that shouldn't break the bank. Um, and so I just – inside linebackers is important, but it's not like – I, I like what Raglan does, and I was just fine with what KPL did. Um, so, I mean, it depends on what they decide to do with him, obviously. So, I, you know, and again, swap out players if you want, you know, swap out even positions. My big thing, after watching a lot of Bob Sutton's defense, I think secondary 
I'd normally start in the trenches. But I think secondary is more important in Sutton's defenses. When he's had his best defenses, it's when they've been at their best in the secondary, especially at safety. And that's fair. You know, I have a tendency to build from the middle. Sure. I, I like linebackers first, um, both the outside edge type as well as the inside linebackers because I think they can, uh, you know, cover up for deficiencies in the front three. Uh, you're big guys, so right. Uh, but you know, it's it's all it's all different recipes to get to the same thing. So right, I like where you're going. Right, my overall point is, I really think this is a good time to be aggressive. You've got an offense that, like you pointed out, you know, I mean, Tyreek Hill is not going to be this cheap forever. Travis Kelsey is not going to be this cheap forever. Neither is Kareem Hunt. Um, I personally, as you look across the offensive line, LDT was absolutely worth his contract. So was Mitch Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Eric Fisher is not. So that's an unfortunate truth there, at least with how he played this last year. Um, Hopefully he rebounds because he was better in 2016. I don't know what happened. I agree. He was getting better every year. And then this last year, he just seemed to take a step back. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, But this is your chance. Didn't we talk about the fact that – didn't we also talk about the fact that he seems to struggle when he has – an inferior player yeah, next to him. Yeah, it seems it a seems, very much inferior player. Yeah, next it to him. seems like he it seems like he struggles more when he's got a left guard that he doesn't trust, and that seemed to clean up last year. But you know, we'll see. But my biggest thing, you know, how whoever you want, I think free agency should be a defensive palooza because the offense overall. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, we need another left guard, we need a number two tight end, we need another receiver. The offense was pretty good last year, guys. You know, I mean, it was real good. And I just I, – I the defense was really bad. And so I don't see a reason to think that the offense should be anything but good next year. We still got Andy Reid, still got a great system. We still have arguably the best uh, running back, tight end, wide receiver trio in the NFL. I think should, they should okay. be fine. So wait a second. You just said something that I have to question. Uh, Ryan ha- has a thought process about Andy Reid. Do you want to go ahead and explain that one, Ryan? Oh, where to begin? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what you're hitting at, but you're going to have to tell me in a minute. But first, I want to say that I disagree with you a little bit. Uh, if if the defense is unable, if they can't carry out your plan, you know, if they listen to you, I think everything will be fine. Just, you know, Clark, if you're listening, Brett Feach, pay attention to what Seth wrote. <laughs> but if that doesn't happen, I, I think what we got to look at is uh, you have a rookie quarterback. I think you have to do the max to protect him, and I think nobody that plays left guard on this team is capable. Uh, I don't feel comfortable with that. So uh, one of the things that I'm doing in this mock is I'm correcting that situation because I think left guard is the one position on this offense that will allow you to solidify everything for him to become uh, the the max Pat Mahomes that he can. Mm Uh, and unfortunately, that's kind of drifting towards the the Vermeil years, where you could score at will, but you couldn't stop anybody. Right. Um, but if that's what has to happen, that's what's to happen. But before we go any farther, I just want to say that my general mentality is: I want domination. Mm-hmm. I want the best offense in the league, and I want no one to ever score a single point. Yeah, that's year. all. That's, that's all you're point. asking for. You want but, like a Madden season when you're right, on rookie, <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. That's what well, I want. Dominance. Well, we all want that, but. What he said about Andy Reid is that is something about uh, how he compares to Doug Peterson. So, I'll oh, let you yeah. make your statement. Oh, oh, you want to go there? Okay, well, we'll yeah. give us two cents because I I am one that generally I would lean towards longevity. 
Uh, and I, I think earning your way is important. But knowing uh, the path that Doug Peterson has taken and the fact that he took over a team that was not as good when he got there, it's not like he inherited the Patriots. Um, but I think it's it's debatable whether he has surpassed Andy Reid as a coach in getting this particular group of players in Philadelphia not only to get to a Super Bowl but to win it. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't think Peterson's in charge of the personnel there, is he? No. no. And so I guess I would just say that, that, that defense is what got them to the Super Bowl. Um, Peterson's, Peterson's exceptional play calling, we, he called a great game, um, is what helped win it. And I'm happy for Nick Foles because Nick Foles played a great game. Um, he made some great oh, throws. Yeah. I am really hoping that Denver pays him like like trades for him and pays him twenty million a year. But that's just me because I I I'm not scared of Nick Foles. I'm really not. Um, I've seen enough of him to not be. I think he's okay, but I think you he needs to be in like an offense like Andy Reid's or Doug Peterson's. I would just say you know yeah you're less scared of him than Cousins, right? Uh yeah, I would say so. Cousins is more capable of making something from nothing, in my opinion. Um. I, I would just say with regards to whether or not they've surpassed as a coach, I have no idea. Um, he might have. He's He seems to have done a good job. I, look, I recognized pretty much every play that got run in the Super Bowl by the Eagles. And he's running Andy Reid's offense. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah. And, hey, good for him. It's a gorgeous offense. Um, he seems to have improved. Um, well, here, here's the, and here's the question. Is it that... Peterson called it better or it was executed better. And that's the classic chicken or egg, right? Yes. And I think their offensive line definitely executed better. I think Nick Foles did a few certain things better than Alex does in a lot of games. Mm -hmm. A few certain things, like stepping up against pressure, right? Just these little things. And he played the game of his life. I mean, he might have surpassed him. I, you know, you know, guys know how I feel about the whole Andy Reid got too conservative against the Titans theory that I personally call a myth, but, you know, whatever. Um, and so I think he may have surpassed him, but I think Doug Peterson's a really good coach. Uh, it is interesting though, how everyone is falling all over themselves, calling Doug Peterson, like the gutsiest coach for calling that fake or not that fake, but that fourth down play. And it was Nick Foles who called it. That's all time, man. That is awesome. Good for Nick Foles. But I mean, to me, it's one of those things that's kind of funny. You know, people are like, oh, this just shows Andy Reid sucks. It's like, not really. No, because Doug Peterson, both things can be true. Andy Reid can be a very good coach, well, and Doug Peterson could have become a better coach. I could, agree. Could either of you argue that the Eagles are in the Super Bowl if Nick Foles is their starter all year long? Oh, there's no way. Oh, okay. Well, exactly. Let me, let me, I don't know. Let me say there's a possibility, know. I guess. How many games did he lose? Yeah, how many games did he lose? Um, I don't know. What, two, I think? Well, like I mean, to most? be fair, I mean, you know, thank God for the Phillies' defense when they put up 15 on Atlanta. You know, I don't do – I don't do – Well, sure, I don't, but I guess my point yeah. is fit. You know, I mean, he wasn't any better because he went in in week nine than he would have been in week one because, like you said, it's the same yeah, offense. it's the same offense. It's the same. It's the same offense, but defenses are going to be able to plan for you a lot better, and the coaches can only get – I, I just don't think he has that success over a full season. I think if he has to play the full 
12, you know, 12 games before Carson Wentz gets hurt, their record isn't good enough to get him into the Super Bowl. I think they would have had a real tough time. We've seen Nick Foles play really well in spots before. What separates great quarterbacks from good quarterbacks is being able to do it for 16 weeks. Because we've seen Alex Smith. I mean, imagine if Alex Smith's five-game stretch came from week 16 to the Super Bowl, Right. I mean, right. the Chiefs could well have won. Yep. And I think Alex Smith and Nick Foles are on a fairly similar level of quarterback with different strengths and weaknesses. And so, yeah, I have no idea. I just, I think Nick, I think Nick Foles is going to get a little overrated at this point. And hey, maybe it turns out, yeah, he ha- is a stud this whole time. It's just, he seems very dependent. It's a lot like Alex. He's dependent on the scheme winning. Because even though Nick Foles made some great throws in the Super Bowl, a lot of the throws he made were just executing an offense that was creating wide-open receivers. Here's an underrated Super Bowl storyline or whatever you want to call it. Bill Belichick cannot figure out Andy Reid's offense, whether it's Reid or someone else. Because, I mean, he got eviscerated by it twice this year. And that's hysterical. (laughs) It just... (laughs) <laughs> and even like say like um, the playoff loss when the Chiefs lost to the Patriots, I didn't see that as Belichick, you know, dominating Reed's offense. I mean, they were out of players. They just they didn't have anyone left. Mm-hmm. It was Alex Smith throwing to Jason Avant, you know, with them bracketing. Three well, guys. And, <laughs> and that's three out of four games that he's played against the Reed offense because the game before early in the season. The Chiefs just eviscerated yeah. them. And so it's that's that's an underrated thing. I did want to go back to one thing with regards to left guard, Ryan, and I know we want to talk about the draft mm-hmm. a little bit. I'm curious, and, and, and obviously I'm trapping you with this question, so just so I warn you in advance. <laughs> Can you name me one play against the Broncos in Week 17 that was ruined by a left guard? Right, right. and you could if you examine the film. You know that's not a fair question to ask someone, right? Right, yeah. I was in the stadium that day. I never did watch right. the. Uh, oh, were I you could. there for that game? Were the were I the was. throws as impressive yeah. live as they were are they, as they are on film? More so, I felt like you sitting in the stands. Oh, I were was you? All giddy. What, what, what were? And I'm sorry, I, I know we got others to talk about. What, what were Denver fans reacting like? You know, you could see them appreciate when when big plays happened, but um, there was a general sense, and I had a, a lot of people in the stands that I know, uh, sportscasters and whatnot, uh, who all kind of had that that collective step back, like, "Oh, this is what we're going to have to deal with." <laughs> That's for the next like the, the the Roby shrug at the end of the game. Casey Boyer, I'm talking to you. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So here's here's what I would say. <laughs> I totally get what you're saying with regards to setting Mahomes up to succeed. Based on what little evidence that we have, and again, one game and then some preseason games, I don't think Mahomes, and I want to phrase this carefully because it's easy to be like, oh, Mahomes will be better than Alex Smith right away. That's not what I'm saying. But I don't think he's as easily thwarted, if that makes sense. He, you know, there were some plays where instant pressure was was given up, and most of those plays, something good happened. Now I'm not saying I want I want Mahomes to get killed, but I don't think he needs as good an offensive line as Alex Smith needs. I think he needs an okay offensive line, and I think you can have that. I think they have that already. 
Because you got to remember, this was with a, a backup offensive line against a super aggressive Denver defense. They were blitzing constantly that day. Um, and you were also yeah, talking. They- you're, you're also talking about a uh, guy that played in college and had a horrendous offensive line right. in college. Now, granted, college and the pro isn't the right. same thing, but uh, some of those skills do translate. Um, well, and you guys are both right. I, I guess I'm coming from the aspect of, yes, he's able to deal with it better than Alex Smith is. Uh, but what I'm concerned about and what's concerned me since day one with Patrick Mahomes, and we'll see how he does, uh, and I'm perfectly inclined to accept the fact that his touchdown-interception ratio is going to be a lot bigger than Alex Smith's. Everyone's is. But my thing is, pressure in his face, him taking hits is – mostly going to be concerned with, for me, for right. the left guard. And if you can take care of that, you reduce the the opportunities he has to feel rushed, to push himself beyond, you know, to do what he thinks he can do when maybe he really can't. Uh, and, and I'm just looking to, to cut down on that. And I think, that I think that's a really smart – I think that's I think that's very smart. My I, I I just I have a lot of faith in the offense that Reed runs, and so I I I totally would not I wouldn't be upset at all if they like if they traded up and you know grabbed that that freak Quentin Nelson. You know I mean I I'd be thrilled even though they were tra- <laughs> trading up for a guard. That said, I have never seen a guard prospect like him. Like not when people were talking about the Castro. Not when people were talking none of these guys. This dude is amazing. I, but anyway, well, he's pretty good. I mean, he's not the greatest when you get him out on the edge, uh, far away from the line. He can move fairly well in space, but uh, you know, there there are other guys that move just as well. And there's another one in this draft don't, that that I have the Chiefs taking in the second. Don't round. don't be looking at at Ryan uh, drafting uh, Quentin Nelson because he's going to go and draft three fullbacks. Yeah. So, right, yeah, that's my plan. We're running yeah. that backwards dying. Are you? And, are you uh, everything's. No, Nelson will be great. Right, he will. Are you picks, are you so. high on Win by any chance? That's your guy. I am. Oh, uh, come and, on, come on, Seth. He, he's a Georgia guy. <laughs> well, there's that, but no. But here's the thing, and it's it's not just the Georgia thing. There there is a connection because they run an offense that relies on the principles the Chiefs use as well. But my big thing for him is he's got the best feet of any interior lineman in this draft. It's not just. Yeah, it's not just that he can make the blocks. It's that he can do the things with his feet as an athlete that allow him to get by with, you know, having a torn right. labrum well, in his shoulder and yeah, yet and dominating the too. competition. I mean, he's... Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, Will Hernandez from UTEP yeah. had a better week than him. I'll give you that. But but Hernandez doesn't move in space. He's not quite as as adept at the zone scheme that you're going to find Win in. And I think Win's going to. I think he's a top fifty prospect most of the time. I think this injury is going to knock him down a little bit. And if you guys want to hear my explanation all the way through, check out the mock draft that's up on LockedOnChiefs.com. But but Hernandez also had two full labrums playing the entire <laughs> yeah. senior week. So he he it's, had it's advantage a, there. Possible. No, I would be I would be fine with Hernandez or Win. By the way, I mean. I'm not against them going out and getting a guard. I'm against them spending any more money on the offensive line. You've already got Fisher, LDT, and Schwartz, three positions that are lots of money in them. And again, maybe that's hypocritical for a guy that wants to spend a ton of money on safety. But here's the thing. The offense is fine. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's why, to me, the offense was good last year. The only games I would – and, you know, there are different reasons for this because Andy Reid had some issues during that, that hiccup. 
mostly though, in my opinion, and maybe I'm wrong. We'll see this next year. Maybe there'll be this another four game stretch where the offense inexplicably falls off the map, right? But in my opinion, that was a quarterback issue. And I feel so bad because I'm like constantly feels like I'm dogging Alex Smith. But the quarterback play was the thing that I noticed the biggest decrease in. And and so I just don't I think the I think the offense will be fine. I think the offense will be at least top ten again. Easily. Let's be let's be fair here. I, I got a different I was gonna say, let's be fair here. Don't you think that Andy Reid has only started dreaming up things that he's going to run with Patrick Mahomes as his QB. I'm curious how much he changes. You know, I, I I don't think it's an accident that they switch to this spread concept. Now, to be fair, that's what Alex was most comfortable in too. But go back, and now that we know that he was calling the plays against Denver, I think there's a good preview there. And they ran a lot of spread concepts. And I think, I think, he, I think Mahomes is going to be given 15 easy throws a game. Just like Alex was, and so I, I really I don't worry about the offense. Andy Reid's a good offensive coach; he really is. Despite people trying to flip out, whatever. I mean, he's never had he's had what like two bad offenses his whole career as a coach, and so I just don't worry about that. That offense with those playmakers, they'll be good. I just want the defense to come around because they have a chance here because of the layout of the defense because they've got a really good player at every level of the defense, and because they got a couple of really good corners now, they really could just double down on this defense and go, I mean, not worst to first, but I, I think they've got, they could get the horses to be a very good defense again. And so that's... Well, I, okay. I think there are a few players away, whether it's your plan yeah. or the draft. I think I agree with you. You're spending mostly – I'm a little iffy about the safety, but I think you're spending money wisely in your plan. Uh, but like you said, draft O-line. Draft guys that are going to be up-and-comers. And there's a couple that I think really need to, to help along. But think about this for a second because this is where I'm coming from. I want the offensive line to be able to get two yards when they have to get two yards. Yep. Uh, I'm not comfortable with them currently in their, in their short yardage package. And I think whether – whether you can improve the defense or not, yes, they can. I hope that they do. But at the end of the day, you got to look at both sides of the ball so that you can get more wins. Mm-hmm. And if that means that the offense has to improve too to, to maybe make up for what you may not be able to do in adding players to the defense, at the end of the day, this team needs to win more wins. I could. I, Games. I, Good Lord, that sounded no, I liked it. But maybe, I liked they it. need to win more wins. Win more I love wins. that. I'm, I'm on board with winning more wins. I'm quote I'm quote tweeting that out on Twitter. That's awesome. I'm gonna cut that so it's never gonna be in the yeah, show. Yeah, I'd be so. like, why is Chris talking gibberish? <laughs> but yeah, people think I talk gibberish that's, anyway, that's so no true. big deal. But yeah, either way, I it's it's funny because there's so many people that think that the Chiefs, like that 2018, is kind of like a you know a rebuilding year when there's such a great chance for them to upgrade the roster. Like they haven't been able to in a couple of years because of the cap situation, they could mm-hmm. they could really they could be a significantly better team talent wise. Not that they didn't have talent, they do, but they 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 don't have quite enough. I mean, all you got to do is watch that Eagles defense and say, man, they they need another pass rusher because it's not that Chris Jones and Justin Houston are bad. Chris Jones and Justin Houston are very good, but when no, There's not enough. yeah, but when no one else is doing it. 
that's not hard to beat. You need more than two pass rushers. The Broncos weren't a good pass rushing team this year, and they got Von freaking Miller. And exactly. that's I I, I, I right, cited so, that time and time again to people like Houston's not doing enough. It's like that's not how this works. Yep, got it. He he was always at his best when he had somebody across. Absolutely, from him. they all are. And that's how any good pass rusher, yeah, exactly. Uh, any good pass rusher needs at least something or, yep. across from him. Real quick, what do you think Pat Mahomes' stats are for twenty eight? Stats? Ugh. Um. Yep. I would be surprised if he didn't if he didn't throw for four K and at least 26, 27 touchdowns. I'd be surprised if it wasn't that many. I'd also be surprised if he threw fewer than 11 or more than 15 picks. I don't think he's going to be as pick happy as everyone else does. Well, let's hope that you're right. I I love it when I'm right. (laughs) I think so does everybody else listening. <laughs> hey, and I, I have to ask one other question. We talked about the Fuller trade a little yeah. earlier. Um, one last question on that. What are your thoughts on uh, what John Dorsey does from here, knowing that he missed out on trading for Alex Smith for a second time? I Man, I don't know. Um, you know, fortunately for Dorsey, if he was looking for Alex Smith, although it's interesting to me, if he was offering two seconds, it's hard for me to believe that was for a placeholder. Um, and so if I'm Dorsey, I guess you they got so many picks. Yeah. So I guess you try to sign. I don't know if I were him now here again, I like this guy better than some people do at this point. I would try to sign Teddy Bridgewater and just sign all the talent you can and draft all the talent you can around him. I like Teddy. I think he can play. If he can run, he can play. There's nothing wrong with his head. Right. Yeah, he's got good pocket presence, and that, it's just a matter of his heel. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good plan. I thank you for sharing it with us. Ch- folks, make sure you check out the article. It's up on Arrowhead Pride. And Seth, thanks for being with us again. Oh, hey, thanks for having me, guys. We will talk to you next week, and folks, we'll yeah. talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>